The tennis shop and grill. At the end of Coconut Palm, swinging left just before the security gate, half hidden behind a wall of young palm trees, and a turning on the right led to an obscured park and another world. Pulling up into the shade under a canopy of tropical foliage, we parked, locked the car, and headed for a low, pale pink building edged in large, fake, and old-looking stonework. Stepping through the flowers in tight, neat beds and onto the wide-paved pathway, we walked under a shaded arch, straining under the weight of bougainvillea twisted with vines. The tinted glass doors revealed nothing, not even the flicker of movement. This was the tennis shop. Bright white teeth, complemented dark tanned skins, naturally sun-kissed blonde hair, and clean pressed clothes. Crisp white skirts hung in rows, begging to be worn between fun, silly, and bright pastel cotton t-shirts, all competing for the eye. Socks stuck out of baskets like comical fruits. Hats drooped from anything that protruded, and new white shoes lined the walls, all facing right. Have a nice day. Have a nice life. Have a nice anything, was the mantra, and I felt I had entered a temple, found a religion, a new folk. And wanted to join them. Outside on the terrace, pink tubular chairs and tables were all empty, overlooking Court One, with a balustrade on which a lizard stared and blinked to check the state of play. It was empty, perfectly swept, without footprints in a uniform of steel grey gravel with white pinstripe lines that framed the ground. A net divided the battlefield, and I was in awe. I never dreamt I might tread that gravel. All I wanted was to be motionless, like the lizard, blinking and staring, as this was hallowed ground. This was Court One. Golden sunlight streamed through the tall palm trees, past the stone colours, and split across the tiles. Little birds making bold statements, twittering the scores of this morning's play, screeched above us, unseen in the branches. The afternoon's heat began to take hold. And I wanted to lie down on the cool stones and stare up at the blue sky. I wanted to let this tranquility permeate my soul, slow my heart rate, and distort time so it might feel like eternity. I felt again like that child that had been born in the tropics, waiting all day for the sun to fulfil its course, accompanied by small creatures that blinked back at me. There was something in my past that now felt familiar again to me, but I couldn't quite understand what it was. K, K had a whole energy source of her own, as if she'd been plugged into the Earth's electric field somewhere. Always smiling, always laughing, always offering excellent advice, and always busy. She had a lovely mid-sized, almost colonial-style house in the middle of the development. Had some investments, time for sports, and never made enemies. We became friends. We never got too close for comfort, but we were warm enough to feel safe with each other. Hi there! Come over and sit with us," she called out as I passed her table one morning. "You won't believe my good news. Richard, my third husband, dropped dead." She smiled so wide it showed teeth that had never seen the light of day before. "Oh, I'm so sorry," I said, like a robot programmed to make the right remarks for no apparent reason. "No, no, don't be sorry. It's the best news I've had all year. I inherited the lot." And that Italian bitch he ran off with only gets his burial costs. She really was on a high. How is that? 
I couldn't even begin to get my head around this, especially as I had never heard of Richard or the Italian bitch. I had a very good divorce lawyer who popped the condition into our divorce that I inherit the lot, regardless of his new wife, just in case he died. Richard wanted out of our marriage so quickly he would have signed anything, she explained, and then she returned to the other ladies waiting for her attention. I sat and blinked, ordered water, and listened like a five-year-old who knew nothing about the real world.